0: Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Melvin York, and uh, I'm here for Daddy Pete Global Foods, um, a segment that we do, letting you know what goes on with the amount of food, food insecurities, things that's happening around the world, which just, most definitely included us into that. Uh, if you were growing up like I were, I'm 68 years old, and uh, my way of thinking when I hear global it, For some reason, I did not think it uh, includes the United States, but it more than ever in today's world does include us as the good old U.S. Uh, Another thing that uh, I tend to think about uh, is when we're talking things that makes me not seem global is when I grew up, most of the things were, and uh, as far as food-wise, Outside of a few imports we had on different fruits and a couple of herbs, most of the things were grown in the United States. Uh, We were in seasonal when you would go to the grocery store. Uh, Now that's not like that. If you've been to the grocery store in the last 18 months, I know a lot of you have not been, uh, because of the pandemic that we had, which has now been lifted, but uh, you haven't noticed what the shelves really do look like from week to week. At times they're getting you know, what it seems like somewhat better. other times it seems like it may be going the other way. But I'm still even if you're ordering online and picking up or having it delivered, I'm sure just about every time when you order something uh, you would see the words out of stock on there. So, what we're doing is we're looking at uh, global food insecurity, and we're looking at the same thing as food shortage. One thing we want to talk about today is when you hear that terminology, global food insecurity and food global food shortages are the same thing. Even though that we tend to think uh, we're insecurity, or is our food secure we're talking about the state of the food whether it was spoiled or whether it was processed correctly or whatever and that is uh, a security to us too but when we're talking about global food insecurity and we're actually talking about the shortage of now shortages can be caused by a couple of different things and we're going to talk about that also uh, so we do ask you to kind of jot down if you have any questions or comments because we'd love to hear those and do it. Um we will most definitely uh respond to those because we do love to get your questions and your comments and that gives us uh a way to know well which way to go forward in the near future. This will probably be uh, a one to two part series that we're doing it's probably don't take that much to do that and um, we're going to go back and look as far back as 2002 on our some of the bills that's been passed in congress on uh, food security or insecurity uh, the things to do to um, avoid that or help that uh, make sure that we do keep a more Secure food system worldwide. Again, uh, we'll hear some comments from uh, World Food uh, Program, which uh, I'm going to read some of the comments of what he talked about, and then we're going to go in uh, to some letters to a Congressman, and we're we'll gonna hear some congressmen's um, reaction to some of the bills that they're passing now. So uh, I think you'll find it very interesting. Uh, One thing about we don't realize what the war between Russia and Ukraine is doing uh, to our food supply worldwide, but uh, it is at a dangerous state. That needs to be addressed, and I'm afraid it's not being addressed. That's another thing we need to talk about. But uh, just to give you one quick overview here, uh, and this was back in July of 2022 this year. Uh, this came out of the USA. Uh, New York was where this took place. And said so the World Food Program, Chief David Beasley, let me stop there just a second and remind you who David Beasley is. Uh, he used to be the governor of South Carolina in the mid 90s. Uh, actually, before that, I think he went in, he was a Democrat, changed over to the Republican Party. Although that makes any difference, just trying to give you an overview of what's going on uh, and where he's been. Uh, David's always been tagged as the Christian conservative, uh, even when he was on either party. So. David was nominated by Nikki Haley back in 2017 for this position. Uh, I actually think there were like 22 or three others. He did get the nomination and was uh, sworn into this year in 2017. Um, Beasley was actually noted in 2008 when global inflation and food prices last saw their severe spike. Some of the things that happened during that time was civil unrest, protests, riots, followed by nearly 15 nations. Well, let me say what he said, uh, a quick notation out of some of his quotes. He said, um, the World Food Program Chief David Beasley raised the alarm Wednesday on Capitol Hill about the possibility of global food shortages, next year if russia did not lift the blockade of ukraine grain exports and send its own fertilizer to world markets now this was back in july uh, the 20th of 2022 this year now he's raising a warning he's telling the folks on capitol hill hey we've got a problem going on here." now When it comes to food security, not only are we looking at what's grown and what's being shipped or exported/imported, we're also looking at a major factor to grow food, which is also fertilized. And many of y'all probably don't know, but if you're in the farming world like we are, if you're in the growing world, you'll know that fertilizers are on short supply. And if you bought it, you paid a premium for it, and I mean it was outrageous. Most farmers did not use the amount of fertilizer they needed. Uh, they cut back as far as they could to produce a crop, but uh, nowhere near what we usually use. Um, so just to give you an idea of what's going on, just because of one thing, which is the war, and that's a biggie, that's what's happening today. So we'll go on and to describe some of this other. Um, Amidst the global food crisis brought on by the war in Ukraine, centers introduced legislation to reauthorize global food program for five years. Now, at some point in time, the global food program uh, that the United States had did lapse, or it wasn't. Uh, run under the authority that they need to run under or you wouldn't reauthorize the global food program. Uh, I think and we want to do that. Uh, that is something else. Now, as far back as 2007, uh, we had letters to senators uh, from some organizations and they were talking about the negative impact of the environment and food security there. We want to go through and read all of those. Uh, to you too and give you the sources on those and let you make a decision. Let me just say this, food insecurity has been defined as a lack of consistent access to enough food for an activity or a healthy life. Now, food insecurity is this. If you do not have a consistent access to enough food for an active and healthy life, you are in a food insecurity situation. But here's the bad thing about it. In other words, there's millions of people all over the world who suffer from a shortage of food and cannot tell if they'll be able to feed themselves even for the next day or even by the end of the day. The bad thing about that is, is things can be done to avoid some of this. For example, 2018, it was reported that one in every nine Americans suffered from food insecurity. That's equal to 37 million people, more than 11 million people of whom are children. Hunger and food insecurity are closely related and it's possible to say that when one is food insecure, they will be hungry. I would think so. Hunger will lead to poverty and diseases, although not a lot of people living below the poverty line experience food insecurity because those living above the poverty line could also experience food security. Let's stop here and talk about that in just a moment, okay? We have seen prices go at a rate that I hadn't in my lifetime ever seen move this fast. I've never seen uh, uh, go up so much, a home go up so much. Never seen building material go up so much. Uh, never seen food go so much. Gasoline, take the hike that this took in years and years and years. Uh, back in the 70s, we did see gasoline more than double. But we're seeing almost double figures on gasoline now. More than double figures on diesel fuel. Now, diesel is 99% of what we use to move our goods Within the United States, truck here, truck there, picking up at ports, taking the distribution centers, taking warehouse, taking home. So that automatically raises the price of food. Now, a lot of people's own fixed incomes, whether it be uh, if you're on some type of SNAP program, if you're on the welfare system, if you're on uh, Social Security, uh, those are fixed incomes. Uh, This year, we see an increase of 8.7%. They talk about inflation for these social security people. Now, I don't know how everybody's figuring this. Maybe I'm not as smart as the average bear on this, but uh, I don't understand how we have an 8.7% inflation rate when we're seeing food a lot of times on the shelf at double. If you were buying something for a dollar and it went up 8.7%, then when I went to school, that means it would cost a dollar and 8.7 cents. That's the way I see it. But instead, I'm seeing that dollar item on the shelf selling now for $1.89 to 209 dollars now, to me, that's somewhere around 80 to 100% inflation. When you double yourself, double is 100%. I don't know how you could do more than that. So when I'm looking at fuel, it's almost double. How is that 8.7%? Oh, we don't count that. How about this one? Uh, how about lumber to build houses with? Uh, before the inflation rise started, uh, a stud or two before it takes to build the walls in your house or is used most commonly, anywhere between 4 to $5. During the height of the thing, you're looking at a stud anywhere from 9 to $12. Again, I don't see the 8.7%. But again, I don't have to do that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about food insecurity. But we also need to know what's causing it. Inflation is going to be one of the big factors. People, especially on fixed incomes like Social Security people, will actually get to the point of where they have to make a decision on buying medicine or buying food, paying for heat or buying food. A lot of people says, well, no, it's not. Well, yes, it's like that. And there's not one or two. There's not 200,000 out there. There are several million people just in the United States alone. And they are even better off a lot of people globally that doesn't have the money to even make that decision so what are they going to do people globally are losing houses or losing their secure home place whatever that is they're doing that we have farmers that are losing some of their land your small uh, farmholders are losing land being pushed out by your big conglomerate farmers, uh, big industry, uh, are taking over their land. What you got to understand is these farmers fed their families and helped feed the community. So we're looking at food insecurity as a dangerous concept. It doesn't make any difference how you look at it. Here's the thing that has fooled most of us. We don't see it. I hope you understand what I said. We don't see it. If you're one of the lucky ones enough to worry the inflation, you can still go to the grocery store and pick out what you still want instead of what you need. Uh, You're lucky. You're blessed. But let me give you a little secret here that maybe you don't know. Not everyone can do that. Not even here in the United States, let alone globally. There are different people in different categories now food insecurity again is a very dangerous thing to have in our society globally in the U.S. continental U.S. and United States whatever it's in Canada it's in Mexico if it's wherever now, there's a lot of things we can do to stop or help slow down things like food insecurity or the shortage of foods, and we're going to talk about those. There's several things that uh, we can do, and believe it or not, you yourself can make a big difference. Now, it's voting time. We're going to come to boat on some things, and uh, we need to put some pressure on some of our representatives to start voting some way again i'm proud you'll see where there was a law passed on uh our food insecurity that was a bipartisan effort a bill passed and uh you know i am glad to see them working on something that's important but we are putting some things ahead of our own well-being, so to speak, and we're thinking that we're saving the planet, but in turn, we're destroying its inhabitants. So there's got to be a fine line, there's got to be a balance there, but it seems like every time that we get involved in something, we go, like my grandfather said, headlong, you know, one way into something and we forget everything that's over to the side of us. And most of the times, those are the most important things and we can't see because of the blinders of having just one thing on our mind and we're going to accomplish that one goal and we're letting four major goals go down the drain. So that's one thing that we do want to talk about. Also, uh, we're talking about uh, food shortages. We're talking about some of the ways that that, uh, you can help do that. and, you know, it's, everybody says, well, you know, this is a big problem. I can't do that much. But, you know, if everybody just did a little something, this is one of the things that makes a difference. It makes a difference. Uh, what, if, what if we actually just cut the waste in the United States, the food waste in the United States? How many of those hungry people that's in the United States could we feed? how about how much more could we export to people in other countries that don't have anything just think about that for a minute because believe it or not that is one of our major problems is waste of food and not only uh, by human consumption but sometimes food wasted because uh, we can't get trucking or we can't get Uh, A way to move the food, sometimes because we can't get it in on harvest on account of the weather. So there's a lot of reasons food is wasted, but some we can do something about, some we can't do anything about. But we need to do all we can to do that. Access of land uh, to farm all. Uh, We need to make sure and protect that. Sustainable ag, that's going to be a big thing in the future. Uh, It already is. But what we need to do is, for our environment and for our food security, we need to sit in and go along with some of these excellent programs we have for sustainable ag. Uh, These are the things that we need to get more involved in. You need to know more about it. We're riding along right now, and I'm afraid most of us doesn't understand where we're at and where we can be in just a few short years if changes are not made now what really gets me concerned more than anything is when i see our leaders which lord knows i don't have a lot of faith in some of them and maybe i should have but when I see them, even as far back as 2002, and they keep this going, and now we've got people uh, that's reintroducing from all different branches on the world side, on the United States side. Uh, we're doing it right here. Uh, within our borders, we're seeing it. We're on global, we're seeing it. And everybody's come up, there must be something to this food shortages. You know, we're a type of people we've been blessed and had it uh, at our finger, fingertips so long that we don't even believe that there's a food shortage when we walk in the uh, stores to see the empty shelf. Well, it'll be there next week. Well, maybe not. And we've seen that happen already. Uh, we've seen things now that we can't get that we used to get. I know people that's waiting on parts, uh, waiting on things for... Uh, to repair automobiles or repair things with that you can't get like you used to because everything is not because of the pandemic and that is what the scary part is we're only looking at the food insecurity out of a lot of our eyes well it's the pandemic and it'll all come back around no no it's not because of the pandemic The pandemic did play a part in helping it along, but it was here before the pandemic. And that's the part I want to bring to your knowledge. As far back as 2002, we were talking about this, and it's been a known factor, not just for the rest of the world, but also including the United States. Please, if you don't take away anything else from here today, take the part that Global includes the United States. And I know a lot of people say, I don't know why you're saying that. If you'll really be honest with yourself and when you hear the terminology, you're going to go back and say, you know, I really didn't think about that either. I was thinking about other countries. But we are included in this ball called Earth globally. We are. We are no longer in a national uh, economy. We left that back in the 70s, maybe a little before the mid-70s, maybe even into the late 60s. But we are now in a global economy. We are not in a national economy anymore, even though that does affect us some at some point. But right now, things that are happening all over the world affects us more than just what's going on in the United States. And if you don't believe it, I mean, take a look at the war in the Ukraine, for example. Uh, That is probably one of the best ones that I can give you right now for one of the things. Um, We can go back here even before it started. Let's just take a conflict that happened uh, before the Ukrainian-Russian war happened. Um, conflicts of war and violence impact food production supplies in most countries where civil wars have been prevalent. Food insecurity is very high. We know that. Examples are Somalia, South Sudan, and Africa. A recent example in Syria is agricultural production, which has been adversely affected by the conflict. According to a report by the FAO in 2018, in October, 5.5 million Syrians face food insecurity, And part of it's due to the conflict, conflict related food shortages can also trigger years of food crisis, even in the even if the fighting has ended. This was back in 2018. Uh, So just to give you an overview there uh, on some of the things that's happened, um, even the wars. And we're going to talk more about how that the uh, Ukrainian war, uh, Russian war is affecting our food uh, security now, because uh, it most definitely is affecting it. Uh, And a lot of people don't see it, but uh, it's there, it's wide open, and it's not. Most of our wheat, uh, a lot of our wheat is exported uh, around the world from Ukraine and from Russia. Russia is probably the number one source of fertilizer for the rest of the world. And I'm sure we import some of it too. Those are two things. Uh, not only uh, finished product, which is the grain, and other things coming out of this region, also fertilize, which helps grow in other countries. So therefore, it's not even affecting the Uh, start is affecting the outcome so without fertilizer you can't produce the right amount of crops and this gives me a chance to talk about one thing that we've talked about here before and that's the GMOs I know that GMOs is uh, hard on everybody's mind but uh, I don't know right now if uh, we need to stop anything at the amount of food that we're Using and what it takes in this world. So, let me just read a little something to you here. It was a letter sent to 11 senators describing uh, the RFS, uh, which is the Renewable Food Standard that was passed. I like think it was passed in 2007. This letter was sent to them by several different other groups, but uh, it was Clean Air Task Force, Environmental Working Group, ActionAid USA, and Oxfam America sent this detailed report to them. And when you listen to this, you'll notice that uh, not only was it them talking, but others. Dear Senators, recently you signed a letter urging Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Gina McCarthy to craft targets for domestic biofuels that reflect Congress's intended goals for the RFS in 2007. Congress expanded the Renewable Fuel Standard with the express goals of increasing the production of clean, renewable fuels uh, and protecting consumers. Now, keep that in mind. Think on that a second. Respectfully, the organizations below are concerned that the RFS has thus far failed to deliver on its basic goals and in the process triggered consequences that have negatively impacted our environment, American consumers and people around the world. To date, the RFS, and this date was May the 13th, 2015, okay, May 13th. 2015 To date, the RFS has primarily incentivized increased production of corn ethanol. In fact, corn ethanol accounted for 83% of the overall volume mandate finalized by the Environmental Protection Agency in 2013, the most recent year in which the final renewable volume obligations were issued by EPA. The remainder was mostly comprised of imported sugarcane ethanol and domestically produced biodiesel meanwhile one of the primary goals of the rfs spring production of the truly advanced biofuels derived from non-food crops let me say this the rfs was supposed to make sure that they pushed through the primary goal was Spurring production of truly advanced biofuels derived from non-food crops, such as cellulistic ethanol, has significantly failed to meet the goals of Congress set in 2007. The National Academy of Sciences and the Congressional Budget Office projected that the cellulistic uh, ethanol production will fall drastically short Of its two thousand twenty-two mandate of sixteen billion gallons, leaving room for additional corn-based biofuels and other food-based biofuels to fill this growing gap. Okay, now what are we filling it with? We want we want biofuels. We want food security, but now here we're starting to make biofuel. Biofuel was okay when they first introduced it. We we're going to use things that was non food. But no more than we turned around and got going good. And here goes our corn crop. Here goes our cane crop, which we make sugar out of, by the way. Okay. And then here goes our soybean crop and biofuels, and diesel fuels. Corn ethanol has failed to reduce greenhouse gas. Uh, emissions as once promised and instead may actually be increasing greenhouse gas emissions as compared to a gasoline. A recent study found that from 2008 to 2012, 3.5 million acres of previously untouched grassland were plowed to plant corn and soy. Despite measures in the law, the intended to prevent new land from being cleared To accommodate RFS related demand. Hang on here a minute. Nobody said you couldn't or didn't even want you not to plow the 3.5 million acres up if you want to grow more crops to feed something. We plowed this up now, this ground, just to make fuel. Okay. Hang on, we're going somewhere here. This transformation has led to millions of tons of carbon emissions being released into the atmosphere as much as 34 coal-fired power plants operating for one year. Water quality has also been adversely impacted according to a report from the EPA office online, the Inspector General. Corn ethanol production in a major cause of water pollution in the Mississippi River Basin and the Gulf of Mexico. This is coming from the EPA, our own government regulatory commission is already saying, pull those grasslands, here's what we got, here's what we caused. As much pollution, as 34 coal-fired power plants running one year. Did you hear all out, Or maybe I need to go back and read it. The RFS also has serious consequences for global hunger. Here we go. By creating an, an inflexible demand for feed crops, the RFS has contributed to unstable food prices. Poor people in developing countries spend 60 to 80% of their income on food and even small increase in price can make a difference for them to feed their families. Also, demand for land-intensive biofuels has increased. So too has the demand for arable land. Smallholder farm, farmers in developing countries who typically grow multiple crops for their families and some local food consumption have been kicked off their land to make way for the massive biofuel feedstock plantations. These farmers depend on this land to feed their families and their communities. Studies by the CBO, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and Congressional Research Service has shown the RFS also raised food prices for American consumers and businesses for uh, consumers. A 2013 study estimated $2,000 in higher annual food costs for an average family because of the RFS. For small businesses in the food chain, such as a mom and pop restaurant retailers, the higher costs can extend into the tens of thousands of dollars per year. I'm gonna read this again to you because I want you to understand this if nothing else. And this is what we got going on. Uh, sometimes when we're trying to say one thing, we're destroying five more. Studies by the CBO. Bureau of Labor Statistics and Congressional uh, Research Service have shown the RFS also raises food prices for American consumers and businesses. For consumers, a 2013 study estimated $2,000 of higher annual food costs for an average family because of the RFS. For small businesses to uh, in the food chain, such as a mom-and-pop operation restaurant, and retailers, the higher cost can extend into the tens of thousands of dollars per year. With each passing month, we fall farther from achieving the original goals of the RFS. When Congress crafted this policy, it was intended to benefit all Americans, but the RFS has instead resulted in delivery of benefits to a select few in the ethanol industry at the expense of everyone else. We know these unintended consequences must concern you, and we urge you to consider significant legislation measures to rectify them sincerely. Action Aid USA, Clean Air Task Force, Environmental Working Group, Oxfam America. This is a letter that was wrote to 11 senators on that committee of the RFS. Now, uh, that just gives you a little bit on what's going into renewable fuel standards it gives you just a little bit of what was actually intended to be a good thing and turned wrong but yet uh it was in 2007 but it takes to 2017 to start or 15 to start the letter which is almost uh eight years and now we're here at uh 2022 and we're still dealing with these problems another one of the problems will be simply this but uh, well, don't even let's go to electric cars on this one an electric this and electric that we need to start talking about some of that but anyhow this is giving you a quick overview of what is going on with food insecurity or food shortages and some of the causes we're gonna get into this next time and try to go through and pick the pieces out and see what has been done in Congress. And we're also going to be seeing what and who is challenging this and some of the uh, environmental groups and see what's really going on in the world of uh, our food security. It's a lot deeper than we think. I will say this, if you look on the news and dig just a little deeper uh, in this war, uh, Russia does have one ally. You need to look and see who that is. And um, we'll, again, we're going to talk more about this on our next segment. So, anyway, if you get a chance, go to daddypeets.com that's D-A-D-D-Y-P-E-T-E-S.com. And if you look under our podcast and our blogs, click on that uh, question and answer. If you do have a comment or a question we'd love for you to do that while you're there you can sign up for our monthly blog do that archive all of our podcasts we do have them with growing with daddy pete or daddy pete gardening uh, and then we do have the uh, daddy Pete's global food so we love for you to do that while you're there look around at our products we have a slogan that says we help you grow and our intent is to help you in every way uh, as a christian I do believe we need to pay more attention to our food insecurity, our shortage of, because I think we do have uh, a God-given um, calling, is what I'd like to use the word, calling to help people. I think it's our more than our duty. I think it's a calling. I think that's the way that uh, we're done. And I know that in this world, I, some of the Christians don't have such a great uh, uh, face put on them, and I, know, I understand that. But uh, my goal here is not to uh, even debate Christianity. My goal here is to uh, make sure that you're informed about what's coming down the next day, the next month, the next year, and uh, how we can do help people make sure they don't go hungry. Uh, we've talked about GMOs, we've talked about other things, and we will continue to do so. But uh, this is just our overview, our first part, part number one of global food insecurity and uh, shortages. Well, until next time, this is Melvin York, and you've been listening to our podcast on global food. Thank you.